Yeah, my early reaction was that this was the uh, Jordan Luplo revenge game after a two-run shot off Bassett to start things off. Uh, he robs Danny Jansen of a great hit, 108 miles an hour off the bat for Jano to start this game. Uh, Luplo makes a sliding grab to stop him, but ultimately, by the end of it, like with most spring games, wins or losses, it's less about the score and more about the singular outings for each player, whether they are starters or on the fringe. So for the Braves, definitely great for Luplo, but still some positives that we can get to, whether it's from Bassett or uh, any of the relievers, perhaps some guys we can talk about when it comes to uh, battles for the last couple spots, maybe the last individual spot in the bullpen, and some nice plays from, of all people, on today, today of all days, uh, IKF. So first of all, it, it seems like spring training games are always a saga, right? Yes. <laughs> the way that it starts is never the way that it ends. And the turnover is uh, akin to the cast of Grey's Anatomy. You never know who's coming in. You never know who's coming out. And uh, it starts off with us uh, noting Jordan Luplo and it ends in a completely uh, different note. But you're right, show that IKF, who we discussed uh, at length uh, pregame here, did a good job uh, at third base today. Not a ton to talk about offensively, but we saw a very difficult uh, high-level play there from him early on in the game, uh, making the catch, flipping it to first base to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and uh, really, you know, holding his own. Uh, I'm sure that we uh, will discuss as well his interview with Buck and Ben uh, during the game, and uh, it seems very clear to me that he is pretty invested, show in what the Blue Jays are trying to do here. He's all in on this. Uh, he's excited to to be here, and so... To see a guy like that have success uh, on the day where, you know, we're, we're talking more about Matt Chapman signing elsewhere, it's uh, it's got to feel good for him. That's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. You're, of course, listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're on Sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app as well. Shoot us a text, 590-590, name and location. We'll get to those in the next couple of minutes as we get to a number of observations until just past the top of the hour from the Jay's 6-2 loss to the Braves in Dunedin. Yeah, like in IKF making a couple of nice plays on the diamond. And uh, this text actually uh, about IKF from Eddie in Fort Erie, our pal. Let's hear Eddie it. says, uh, out of the three outs IKF made today, the first one was my favorite, the slow roller. He was playing deep. I hope he stays there. Out of all the guys who are going to play third base, he has the gold glove playing that position. It is true. And you know, it's funny because I think Buck and Ben did mention this to IKF and he, he kind of brought it up on his own too during that interview. But he said he essentially talked about how he hasn't had a chance to play a lot of third base a ton since he won the gold glove in 2020, which was with the Rangers. And then he got traded and he, he mentioned it as well. He got tra- traded for like a single day, like not even 24 hours to the twins. And then was traded again to the Yankees where he spent the last couple of years in the wake of Chapman signing with the giants. And we will get to that a little bit later on. We do think that IKF is perhaps the starting third baseman for this team. He was asked about this, by Ben Shulman. And before we continue, I wanted to play this for us, for our, all the listeners, Julia. Then we can continue chatting some IKF. So this is him chatting with Ben and Buck earlier today. Isaiah, you've played in so many different spots. What was the discussion like for your role with the Blue Jays uh, coming into this season? What, what kind of positions did they want to see you in, according to what they've said? Uh, definitely just be ready to cover everywhere. Um, but at the same time, you know, third base was, a, was an opportunity. I never got to play third base after I won my gold glove in, in 2020. So I'm excited to get an opportunity to get back there. And, yeah, I mean, I feel 
the most natural there, and I don't really have to do any thinking. I just feel like uh, it brings the best out of me when I play third. And um, but, but at the same time, I'm ready to play left, play center, uh, short if Bo needs a day, second. So I'm ready to do every, anything I need to do to help this team. So that answer from IKF Julia to me, likely implies, much like they do for a bunch of positions, uh, the team is more than happy to move him around and get others in there, whether it's perhaps Kevin Biggio on a day he needs off or a day IKF is needed elsewhere uh, in the infield or even in the outfield, as he said, or Elvis Martinez a little bit later on. But uh, we did see, as Eddie points out, some some decent plays from IKF uh, at the hot corner and the couple of outs he was needed out there for. So, you know, again, it's, it's not what you wanted and he is perhaps more of a super utility player, but uh, I thought, I thought I was, I was relatively speaking impressed with what we saw given we yeah. haven't seen a ton from IKF in the spring so far. He certainly looked very comfortable. And, and like he said, it's uh, it's the position that comes naturally to him. It's the one that he has to think the least about when he's playing. And it really did show there is a, just an affinity there we saw with uh, with the three so really good highlight defensive plays that he made today it, it seems like there's a level of comfort that is there for him and not just that but there's also the skill and the technique that comes with preparation right he didn't seem flustered out there he didn't seem like anything was uh, surprising him very well positioned and uh, that will come from just preparation and it seems like IKF uh, has a leg up in that uh, in that department it's uh, it's also extremely valuable that he is uh, so keen on you know sliding into whatever position the Blue Jays need out of him there's a reason why he went and learned how to play center field right last year with the Yankees or, or two years ago with the Yankees this is a guy that uh, wants to be on the field he wants to be contributing and he wants to be on a team that is winning right now. That is a point that he made when he signed with the Blue Jays uh, in his introductory uh, media conference. Said, "Listen, I want to be on a team where I can win. I listened to offers from other uh, clubs, but this is where I ended up because I believe in what we're doing here. And so, for him to come in with that mentality, play as well as he did on a day like today, and still say, "Listen, I'm open to whatever. I will do whatever the team wants me to do." Uh, that has got to put him in a good position to carve out a daily role, at least early on in the season, more so than a bench role. He did also say he, he was very effusive in his praise of a lot of his teammates, including of Bo Bichette. He, he actually went out of his way to highlight the plays Bo makes defensively. I thought that was pretty interesting. And one of the things we've talked about over the course of the spring, Julie, and a lot of people have discussed this point, the idea of Bo being the leader of this team. And I was, I, even for me, I it went back to hearing his words when he was chatting with uh, Blair and Barker when he, they had the interview with Bo shortly after uh, UFC 297 here in Toronto because Bo was here for that event. And it was just really interesting hearing him like shoulder a lot of the responsibility that has been kind of a common thread through the early days of spring because, you know, there was that quote, he he kind of stood up in the locker room and said, we need to be better. And he was talking about, oh, they're, they're being doubted. It's the first time they're being doubted. So we've heard a lot about Bo the leader. And it was interesting to hear a lot of guys, including Justin Turner, who has spoken to the media a couple times uh, in Dunedin and then certainly IKF today, a lot of these guys talk, like going out of their way to highlight the leader Bo has become, which I think is, like, it, it can't not be a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it can't otherwise be anything but good, only because we often ask the question, like, who is the leader of this team, if there, if there is any. And maybe sometimes it feels like there isn't one, but Bo 
to me, unqu- unquestionably is that guy. So it was cool to hear IKF kind of support that idea. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's interesting, too, because, you know, I interviewed Bo last year and I asked him, what does that mean to you? What does being a leader right. mean to you? And he said, well, the number one thing is I want to be available for my teammates. So they need to know that they can come to me, whether it's about the game, whether it's about their personal life or whatever it is. Uh, I'm available. I'm approachable. I'm here. And he's not going to be always a a super vocal guy. Bo is more on the quiet side. He's more of a lead by example. I'm going to show up early and I'm going to do my job. And seeing that being recognized by, you know, guys that have been around for a while, such as Turner and IKF, uh, first of all, it's got to feel very good for Bo to to get that recognition. But also it means that uh, when it comes to leadership, the Blue Jays are in pretty good hands. They're right. in a very, very good position. And uh, it, it seems like Bo is ready to take another step forward in that way and continue to learn from the veteran guys in that clubhouse. It'll be good to see how that continues to translate early in the spring, although I don't think anyone is really all that worried about Bo Bichette because he was one of the few really consistent players last year. So not a lot of worry there, certainly. Uh, before we get on to some things from today's ball game, I did want to ask you, how surprised were you on Matt Chapman's deal with the Giants. When you saw that, I guess, uh, last night, $54 million, yeah. three years, opt-outs after each of the first two seasons, uh, $20 million in 2024, 18 in 2025, 16 in 2026. Were you surprised? Because you and I talked about this last week, and you know, I think we both thought it was it was very possible that he signs uh, re-signs with the Blue Jays and instead he's heading to San Fran. Yeah, I believe my first reaction was, oh, finally. Right, we we did wait a, a little bit for a Matt Chapman to come off the board. I can't say that I was necessarily surprised by the deal show, because I was very surprised by the Cody Bellinger. Sure, okay, right. Uh, the the three year, very similar uh, contract that Bellinger signed with uh, with the Cubs with opt outs after the first two seasons uh, for a similar amount of money. And that took me a little bit by surprise because of the type of season that Bellinger did have in 2023. And I thought, okay, this is a guy that is poised for a big contract. When he signed that to basically, you know, a bridge deal there with, uh, with the Cubs, then it became evident that Matt Chapman by, might find himself in a similar situation. Did it surprise me that he went to the Giants? Maybe a little bit. You would think that the Giants would... Uh, focus a little bit more on pitching right now. And it seemed like the Blue Jays were a, a good fit for, say, a, a, a bridge deal like that, a three-year deal with a couple of opt-outs for the player so that the, the player can you know bet on himself and, and try to produce better numbers and get uh, that, uh, that big contract at the end of uh, this season or next season. It seemed like the Blue Jays were going to be a good team, a good partner uh, in that sense, just because of where they are when it comes to their infield talent, when it comes to a guy like Elvis Martinez, uh, who might be close to being ready, but is not all the way there. And that is mostly what, uh, if there was an element of surprise here, that was it more so than the nature of the contract, the length of it, or the money. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. I I think it does make sense. And I think for me, what I... Like the, the reaction to Chapman not signing with the Blue Jays was not surprising because I think a lot of people wanted, it's like, you know, that meme that where it's like the guy poking something with a stick and he's like, come on, yeah. do something. I think that's that's what you, <laughs> that's how you feel about the Blue Jays or, or have felt about them for much of the offseason. Uh, but you, you watch Chapman signing with the Giants when you think he could have 
fit very well for the Blue Jays yeah. and have made IKF more of the super utility guy, which he obviously outlined himself in the clip we just heard. But I, I think for me, it's it, I don't blame anyone, any front office in baseball for not anticipating the slow off season. But I do somewhat find fault in no teams and the Giants were the ones who ended up blinking first, but no teams, including the Blue Jays, not once they realized the offseason was being like trickled out, you know, signings were happening slow, very being slow played, let's call it to this extent that they didn't pivot, I suppose. Uh, and again, maybe it has to do with money. Maybe Chapman just didn't want to sign here. Like we, we'll actually probably, we'll probably never know, honestly, the, what Chapman thinks until he's retired, I would imagine. But I just, I was disappointed to see the dollars that this deal entails for him. Cause I think it's a pretty team friendly deal for the giants. And sure. you would think that the Jays would have been able to match it, but Unfortunately, Chapman off to a San Fran. And you had mentioned this to me in the pregame, but that San Francisco is uh, pretty much right next to Oakland, where he has spent a large chunk of his career. Probably didn't hurt either. Yeah, I mean, uh, you and know. And he's from if, the West Coast, too. If you are from the West Coast and if you like that lifestyle, then uh, that's definitely a huge plus when looking at where to sign. You and I spoke a little bit about Blake Snell, too, and, and maybe he wants to be in the West sure. Coast, yeah, right? From Seattle. Uh, yeah. There you go. So there's. There's a lot more than just money or term to consider. Obviously, you know, those are big parts of uh, of a free agent's decision. But uh, the lifestyle, the the proximity to family, to friends, the, all of it you know, goes into it. So Chapman should uh, fit right into San Francisco. I feel like uh, that will be an, an exciting player to watch this year as well. Who knows? Maybe that means uh, J.D. Davis out there is available. We'll have to keep, keep an eye on that. All right, let's get to some things from today's ballgame uh, outside of IKF, including Danny Jansen, RBI single. I mentioned he'd gotten robbed, Julia, earlier in the game on the 108-mile-an-hour liner that Luplo kind of made a nice grab. He slid under it to rob Jano of a hit. He did obviously have an RBI single as well, slapping it down the, uh, the line on the left field later on as well. What are your expectations for Jansen, like, or maybe a better question is how much of your expectations for Jano are effectively going to be colored by how much he can stay on the field? Because we know he is very talented. He's one of the few people who pulled the ball with consistency last season, but he also got injured. And it's so weird because so many of those injuries are like, it's not like he's, you know, injuring the same body parts over and over again because he's like pulling his oblique or pulling his hamstring or whatever. He's getting like these bizarre balls off the knobs of the bat or, you know, foul balls or being hit on the backswing. Like it's just, I suppose that's the nature of being a catcher when you're actually behind the plate. But when he, or when he's, he's behind the batter rather and is crouched in the position, but when he's at the plate and getting hit by random balls, it just seems like you can't really draw too many straight lines between all these occurrences. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big one, right? We know that this is an important year for Jansen. He is going to be a free agent at the end of this season. Uh, his value for the Blue Jays, obviously on the field, he is a tremendous catcher and a very important offensive contributor, especially when it comes to pulling the ball, when it comes to having that pop. He had another extra base hit today, which was also smoked at 102. Ooh miles per hour so it seems like you know he's a he's in a very good spot right now healthy and ready to go that said the the element of luck is always something that we need to consider with Jansen he's a gritty player he goes after it and sometimes he's going to end up with these uh, odd injuries uh, whatever they may be 
I will say this, show. I, I was looking at his numbers from, uh, you know, spring training as a whole. It's a very small sample size, but uh, in nine at-bats, this was the first time that he struck out. That is, again, small, but it does show that his hand-eye coordination and just his overall feel at the plate right now is there. And it's pretty early in, yeah, in the spring for a guy to be hitting like that. The double that he hit today, again, was pulled, right? So his game is very much on point. He is running well. Um, he is catching extremely well. We all know that uh, he's an extremely valuable piece in that front too because he basically knows all of the pitchers uh, on this club and uh, and he keeps learning and he keeps evolving and uh, he's a guy that uh, pitchers feel very, very comfortable uh, pitching too. So all of that is on display here and and he seems to be well on his way for another uh, career season. Luck will be the ultimate uh, difference maker here for Jansen. I'm sure he is uh, hoping for a career year, given that he is a UFA at the end of the season. So career years, I'm sure, uh, can never hurt, as we have discussed often when it comes to the lease, for example, <laughs> when he's signing big-time contracts in your career years, which we've talked about a lot this season. But, uh, yeah, I think Danny Jansen going to obviously factor in in a major way into what this team does and you know him certainly him and Alejandro Kirk even though we did see Jano mostly today all right let's chat a little bit about the pitching before we go Julia and uh, Bassett first of all starts so he gives up the three runs in the first inning a two-run shot to Luplo as we discussed he was kind of shaking his head in that like annoyed manner that he does when uh, he's not super pleased Classic. with his delivery Classic yeah like Chris he, I said this many times to you but he always looks so pissed off at himself yeah always like he always looks like he is one step from having a meltdown on the mound at him <laughs> at himself essentially and at no one else uh he did he did that a few times today uh whenever things go well for starters this early in the spring it's funny because we always say great and whenever they go really poorly you can always be like well it's just the spring it's right it's okay it, it, so it's almost like there's no way to lose but with Bassett, I do admit I'm not too worried. Schneider was saying post game just a couple of minutes ago that uh, he is not, you know, the velo was there. They're working on the changeup, so it was more there about repeatable motions than actual results. And you, I, I'm sure the shaking of the head with Bassett is him just being a competitor. But like, you know, is anyone worried about Garrett Cole after he gives gets Vogel bombed yesterday? I don't think so. Not even and, Cole apparently and, is yeah, worried about that. Apparently, so I'm I'm guessing. No one is that worried about Bassett. I'm mm-hmm. not really either. I think really, like I said, it's at this point, it's just about him getting into a groove. And uh, he was in a groove in his first appearance a couple of, what, about four days ago? So mm-hmm. I don't know. He he bounced back pretty well. He he went three innings instead of two. So I'm not, I'm, I don't know if you're any, any more worried than I am. Yeah, so everything basically according to what was scheduled, right? He was scheduled to go three innings. He got the three innings. He upped his pitch count a little bit. He got to 46 uh, today, which was more than he did last time out. We are going to see Chris Bassett talk to himself a lot, shake his head a lot. It's uh, it's fascinating to me that that works for him, but it does, right? That uh, that ty- type of uh, tough love on himself on the mound while the game is happening, it just works for him. It, it does help him get back into the zone. And so I don't think anyone is super concerned about that either. And uh, the, the home run, it's a righty-on-righty changeup. It's something that, uh, like you said, uh, John Schneider is uh, is pointing to as something that, you know, needs to be worked on and stuff. We, we all, we understand that. That's, uh, that's fine. Right. This is a different situation as, say, a guy like Bowden Francis, who also pitched today and pitched extremely well, or even a Nate Pearson and Yasser Zulueta, who are coming in here and every single appearance that they make 
is essentially an audition, right? For either a role in the bullpen or a starting role. Uh, so let's just say that Chris Bassett is in a different position as guys like that. And uh, he will get a little bit more leeway here. And if uh, he got beat around by, uh, by Luplo here, no one is uh, going to be extremely, extremely concerned at this point. So you mentioned Bowden Francis, and I, I actually believe of all of the observations I had about this spring game, and again, 6-2, take everything with a grain of salt in the spring, I think his his play today was the most interesting to me, beyond Bassett, beyond IKF, beyond any of the prospects we got to see in, uh, in small doses. So he comes in for a few innings, uh, fastball up to 96, 97 mile an hour, uh, I still think he's earned a place, Jules, in the bullpen as the long man, the guy who is going to be the first person uh, asked to be the sixth member of the rotation in case of injury. But at the same time, I also wonder, like, I wonder what the the corresponding move would be if you felt he needed to start the season in the majors, just because we've talked about this, about this a little bit before, but Mitch White is out of options, right? So because he's out of options, and he was out of options last year and he did get exposed to waivers and he obviously was not claimed. So the Blue Jays kind of snuck him through there to the Bisons where he finished the season. I only bring it up because they were able to do that because he was playing badly, right? He was playing really poorly last year. If he plays even kind of halfway decent, and even for Mitch White, the fastball velo was up a little bit. I think it was up to about 95, 96 miles an hour as well. I'm not even I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that Mitch White should be the guy over Bowden Francis, but I do wonder if to start the season, Francis starts in the minors and Mitch White in the majors only because they of roster manipulation. Or and I mean you mentioned other guys, Zulueta, uh, Pop, we saw it today, Pearson we saw it at the very end. But I wonder if if they're the corresponding moves in terms of making sure Bowden Francis is on this roster because he is, I, I gotta say, so far. He's been one of my favorite storylines of the spring, and I think he is very deserving of a spot on the on the major league roster. And again today, right? He pitched extremely well today. Last time out, a two-run outing. It was a, a little iffy at points, but uh, he really does bounce back, ups his pitch count, which again is something that we're going to look out for in his development here. Is he going to be in the bullpen or is he going to ask, be asked to be a starter? It will also depend on Alec Manoa's health. And I think that uh, the corresponding move show that you were talking about is going to hinge pretty heavily on who the number five starter is and who the Blue Jays can actually count on to be that number five starter. So let, let's say Manoa is, is on the IL to start. The right season. On. Let's just say, are you comfortable with the fifth starter being Bowden Francis? I would say right now he would be the best option. I okay. mean, the spring is still young, of course, but he seems to be doing enough to at least put himself in that position. We saw a little bit more of the splitter that he's working on today in order yeah. to say round out his repertoire and, and make a little a little bit more starter-like and, uh, you know, good results. Six of the 42 pitches that he threw were splitters. Two of the strikeouts came on, on the splitter, actually, one on a foul tip and one looking it's uh, it's very, very encouraging to see not only that the velocity is up, but also that, uh, you know, this new found splitter is working and it's being incorporated slowly into his uh, his repertoire. And again, if you look at Alec Manoa and in, in the uncertainty surrounding his shoulder problem, which right now they're calling his soreness, the fact that uh, it happened last season as well you look at the Blue Jays' options, it does seem like Francis would uh, would slide in pretty well there. And, and let's not forget that when he was called upon last season, 
uh, for the Blue Jays, whether as a starter or out of the pen, he delivered as well. So yes, Manoa still has the inside track here to be the number five starter. But if for some reason spring doesn't progress the way that it should for Manoa, or if this shoulder issue is something that lingers, then I would feel very, very comfortable giving the ball to Bowden Francis. Yeah, I don't think a, like a signing, let's say Manoa is not ready. I don't think a signing of Blake Snell is particularly, or even Jordan Montgomery or any other free agent pitchers out there. I don't know if like Johnny Cueto is still out there. That was someone, uh, a texter had suggested, Jason from Markham had suggested that uh, in the pregame show. But I don't know if any of those guys are out there, but... I'm not. I'm not sure a signing of any of those guys is incoming, and because again, Ross Atkins spent the large majority of this offseason saying the biggest additions are coming from from the internal options, and that I think we all kind of viewed that as being. Oh, he's talking about Addison Barger. He's talking about Aralvis Martinez. He's probably also talking about Ricky Tiedemann, who we haven't really discussed. And sure. Tiedemann's start to the spring has gotten a little delayed because of the hamstring thing he suffered right before he was going to have his first start of the spring campaign, and that that's kind of gotten moved back. If you were listening slash watching today, Arden saying uh, on Sportsnet telecast that Ricky Tiedemann, uh, much like Manoa, probably going to see what see where they're at on Wednesday. Tiedemann might be might be facing some live batters on Wednesday before they kind of ramp him back up to maybe getting in some into some games action. But I mean, if it's not Ricky Tiedemann and it's not an, an outside option, like if there's not <laughs> there are not that many other options. Perhaps we might have thought, Julia, it could have been Yariel Rodriguez, Perhaps. who was one of the few options as well, but he had had some uh, back spasms and was a scratch. I think he was scheduled to face a bullpen today um, in some side sessions. So probably not going to see Rodriguez for a little while. But, I mean, you also don't give a five-year deal to, to a guy who hasn't started in over a year without thinking he's going to have like some kind of significant role, I would imagine. Yeah, and again, show that the spring is definitely young, but especially when it comes to pitchers, any type of delay at any point in March can mean that they're going to be delayed to to start the actual yeah, the regular yeah. season as well. It's uh, it's so tricky, and the buildup really needs to be well planned out in order to avoid more significant injuries and more lingering injuries. And so, when you get, look at guys that uh, have had any sort of setback at this point. Yes, there's still time. The Blue Jays are also going to be very, very cautious because it's a long year. And for what they're trying to do, it's uh, it's best to be sure that everyone will be healthy for when the games start to matter a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you they're, they're not going to take any major risks with, with really anyone, not even just young guys or veterans or what have you. They're not going to take chances with anyone, nor, nor should they, uh, what, uh, just over a week into, or almost exactly a week, I suppose, into spring training since... So the spring got started uh, last Saturday. Uh, I did want to ask you before we go about a couple of the pitchers we briefly talked about, mostly Pearson, Zulueta, and Pop, who all have been, I think, considered to being battling for that last spot. Nate Pearson, I would say of those three, Nate Pearson probably has the inside track to being the last guy out of the bullpen. Like if you're only looking at those three, it, it could be someone else entirely. Like it could still be Mitch White, for example, and there could be two spots up for grabs. But I think the way you lay out the bullpen probably, especially now that Eric Swanson has returned from a, a scary incident with his son, but it sounds like he's going to be okay. So Swanson comes back to the team. You think Swanson's going to have that last spot as well, like he did for much of last year. So if that's the case, then probably only one spot available, like up for grabs, quote unquote, at the end of the bullpen. I think it's Nate Pearson, but Pop and Zulueta going to be knocking on that door because... Pop had some good moments last year. Zula, why do we haven't seen it at the majors? But Pop had some good moments before it kind of imploded for him, and then he got sent down. That's right. In the same way for Mitch White. But I'm guessing I'm, I'm probably going to go with Nate Pearson. 
in a week into spring training. Right now, yeah, I would I would say so. Uh, the velocity is certainly there, and uh, he is slowly working on the the command and you know the, just the shape of his pitches the movement of his pitches and it seems like we are seeing improvements here for a guy like Zulueta the command is it doesn't seem to be there right now and it it seems like it would be a lot to ask him to just transfer to the major leagues for opening day it's uh it, it's it's a tricky ask for any any young pitcher but when it comes to Zulueta the amount of injuries that he's had and the setbacks and all of that Yes, we are looking at him very closely right now because, you know, it, it seems like it, it's two seasons now that we are saying that yeah. uh, he's very, very close to, to getting there. Uh, but uh, I feel if, like it's been way more than two seasons. It's, at this it's, one. it's so <laughs> it's so odd, right? But uh, there's been there's been so many setbacks and so many injuries that uh, it doesn't seem like he will be ready uh, for for opening day or even for the first half of the season. And we saw it today. Today, again, he threw 14 pitchers and six of them were strikes. Right. So the command is, is is a little iffy, and he will have to work on that and actually get that in a consistent place before he can uh, be considered for a major league spot. Zach Pop is still kind of a question mark to me, show because we have seen very very good moments from him, and we also have seen things just get away. And, and so it's still early and difficult to actually pinpoint what to expect. So I would agree with you that uh, Pearson right now seems to be the guy that is uh, ahead for that final final-ish spot in the Blue Jays bullpen. A lot still to look out for uh, for the bullpen, certainly for that last spot. Uh, Julia, before we go in the last couple of seconds here, someone texted in, Julia, just found the best Brazilian bakery in Toronto. There's no name on this, so we'll have to get oh. the, the location of this Brazilian bakery for you. Please, please do. I'm all for it. Thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate it. All, we welcome all sorts of texts here on, on Jay's Talk. Seriously. Not just baseball related. Uh, that's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. That does it for us here on Jay's Talk. Appreciate you being with us on Blue Jays Baseball. Brought to you by your local family-owned Crown Rust Protection. Protect your vehicle from rust today. For a special offer, find your local family-owned Crown at crown.com, Canada's number one protection. We're out of here. Back tomorrow for more Jay's Talk following Jay's Red Sox. We'll talk to you then.